0: Are you afraid? You should be. I thought he was the man to lead us through the long night. A face will be added to the
1: hole. You would spill blood in this holy place. The gods were mine. Show
2: them what Lannisters are. And make no mistake. The dead are coming. Dragons do not do well in captivity. How do you know this? That's what I do. I drink,
3: and I know things. They have no idea
2: what's going to happen.
3: Welcome ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, to the winner is coming Game of Thrones podcast, I'm your host Razor, and I'm here with Isis, Corey, Annie, and Bandit, he's back for another Take the Black um, let's get right into it because some exciting things happened Sunday night on Game of Thrones season 6 episode 2, Home. And let's just start off with our reaction. Jon Snow's alive, Isis. Are you ready to sing and dance? Have you been singing and dancing since last night? What's going on with you?
0: I have pretty much been telling everybody who has been saying to me that Jon Snow is dead in your face. And uh, I have been enjoying it. I feel like we should rename him instead of John Snow. We should call him Saint John. Uh, I feel that it's appropriate. Uh, seeing as we already, have a, our, we already have a
3: sexy Jesus. Why not have a Saint John?
0: Exactly. I, seeing as our Lord Commander and our Savior has risen from the dead. So, I'm really excited about John being alive, and uh, it, I think it's going to add a whole lot to it. I'm glad that they left it at the end of the episode instead of doing it at the very beginning of the episode because we dived in a whole bunch of things, and then everybody basically lost their flippin' minds uh, as soon as, you know, Jon Snow came back. So, I, I think that it was really well played, and I feel like the beginning. Uh, if they had done it in the beginning or the middle of the episode, it would have just overwhelmed everything else that happened. So it was good. Great so, uh So you're just happy your little cinnamon rolls back, right? I am. I was really looking forward to a little necrophilia action. I was a little oh disappointed. Oh, my God. You're so disturbed.
4: It, <laughs> I know. Can you make that the banner <laughs> for the show? I was looking forward to some necrophilia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: and we so, haven't had yet. <laughs> this is this is true. See, look at that. Annie for the save. And I I just felt like, you know, I had been kind of looking forward or I should say looking toward that and then it didn't happen and then, you know, the Red Witch comes in and she like just says a bunch of words and she's chanting, which is I mean, it's pretty awesome. But I really had in my mind, you know, something that I I kinda thought was gonna happen. And then I was just, like, kind of, like, let down, if you will. But anyway, it's all good. John's actually frustrated. I mean, it I kind of sounds like where this a is a little going. bit. Like, I was, like, all this is all she had to do, and and she was, like, bulking on it? What a bit. And then she cut my baby's locks. <laughs> oh, let's not. If you, if okay, I, well, I, we'll come back to John. Later, if you okay, listen to – or if you read my live tweets, you have already read all this, but yes, I, I was disturbed when she cut his beautiful curly hair. Just beautiful locks. Okay, well, we'll come back to John later. Let's talk
3: about what happened at the wall at Castle Black. Um, we got to see 1-1 one, one smash, right? Like 1-1 one, one smash to the gates. Um and he bashed a dude's head in against the wall. Kind of a nice nod to book readers, uh, what one one did in the books. And um so uh uh Annie how did you feel about that scene? Because we thought that he might be busting through the Winterfell gates later on in the season. But you and I kinda stood by our guns and said, No, that's Castle Black's Gate. So kind of felt a little nice to be redeemed there, didn't it?
1: Yes, it did. Um, I actually really loved that part. The only thing I the only thing that would have made it better is if the creature he was spinning around was actually Ollie. Um oh my- but of course Ollie Ollie can't die yet. He has to live a long time alone with his cowardice. Um I, I did actually kind of love that Ollie like tried to attack, even when all hope was lost. He was like Ah, like, no dude, no kid. Kid y'all. Won't.
3: I was hoping he he was gonna eat a sword in the face. Yeah, I was I kinda, but at the yeah. same
1: time, like, you know, the fact of the matter is is that they have to keep both him and Alistair Thorne alive because Jon Snow has to pardon them or, you know, be noble at them or decide, No, whoever passes the sentence swings the sword, somebody bring me a block.
3: Well, he's got he, – yeah, yeah, he's got to uh, tell Ed to fetch a block, and that will rectify last season's Ollie Fetch Me a Sword. Um, uh, so uh, uh, Corey, I want to ask you this. How did you feel about um, the way it went down? Like, Did you feel like it was kind of anticlimactic? Like there was really not a battle. There was like an arrow shot. Thorn kind of came out and charged a little bit, Ollie kind of charged, but then they were just thrown in the ice hills. Did you, did, you did you want to see everybody die, or were you happy with that resolution to that story?
4: So I was actually very happy with it, and I was talking with someone else today, and it reminded me a lot – honestly, this is about to get really nerdy. It reminded me a lot of the end of Lord of the Flies because uh, Castle Black had become its own world with its own set of politics and its own – like it's separated from the rest of of Westeros. They are the only ones who have seen and who understand the struggle that the white walkers are going to pose. And mm-hmm. they have set their own world apart from Westeros where they have their own political like we're we all we're talking about is the battle for the the king, for the the iron throne, but honestly, the more important struggle was with the lord commander and with the night's watch and everything else. And if you're familiar with Lord of the Flies, at the end of Lord of the Flies, whenever uh, somebody from outside of that island shows up and it reveals to all the kids, oh yeah, what we're doing is stupid. What the hell are <laughs> we doing? And they, you know, they all I've break down. I've got the conch. Yeah, they got the con- they're Like, what are we doing? This is absurd. What type of world have we built he- here? That's what it felt like when one one came in and the, they realized we're outnumbered and we have to surrender. And it was like you had that one guy that was like, I'm gonna shoot an arrow. But
3: <laughs> I don't know why.
4: But but seriously it just felt Insta- like there was instantly they, it just, that too, it by shined way. the light on all the absurdity that had been happening at Castle Black. Like it was absurd to, to kill Jon Snow, and it was absurd to not recognize how the Wildlings could help in the fight against the White Walkers. And it was just all these dumb things. And it really shined the light on for everyone else looking at Sir Alistair being like, Oh yeah, maybe like your Honor code is not what we should be following. Your it's kind of skewed. Yeah, it was. So I, <laughs> hey, I really uh, liked it.
3: So bandit, I got to ask you, uh, Lord Commander Dolores Ed Toulet, are, are we are we going that way, Lord Commander Ed? I don't know.
2: Like I I think so because I don't think I I I have preached the theory continually that okay, John has now fulfilled his his oath to the wall to the to um all of that stuff that he swore has been fulfilled because he gave a life. Mm -hmm. He gave a life. He lived a life, and now this is a new life. And so he no longer has to be Jon Snow. He no longer has to value that oath. All of that now can go out the window because he's been born anew. So I do think we're going to have to have a new Lord Commander um, at the Wall. However, it may be that the whole idea – completely needs to be scrapped. Maybe we don't need a Lord Commander. Maybe what we need is some sort of alliance with the wildlings and just we're going to try to hold the fort and we're going to do the best we can, but we're going to throw all of the other stuff out the window Uh, because all of the traditions and everything that had kept it alive had really started to become stagnant and had become a detriment. At this point, well,
3: yeah, the Um, Night's Watch had lost what they are at the wall. Yeah, exactly.
2: Like they have become so focused on the traditions that originally had served them that the traditions became the important thing instead of actually doing their duty. Um, That was no longer the important thing. The important thing was to do things this way, Uh, and so that's the conflict kind of you're seeing right now at the wall. So it, it may be that the Night's Watch completely needs to be scrapped or turned into something completely new. Or whatever, or maybe the nice watch. Maybe the, that entire group will be like, "The heck with this! We're with John now, and you know, maybe he's going to call himself John Stark, and we're going to be with him, or, or John if it's another name, and and we're going <laughs> to John Starkarian, him. yeah, <laughs> or we're going to be with him and screw all this other stuff uh, and forget the wall because we gotta we gotta unite everybody or we got no chance. Which would also be probably a wise decision at this point because I don't know how much value is left in the wall. Um yeah, absolutely. How much longer can you hold that position and that continue to hold value, especially thinking about the fact that there's nobody in the other forts up and down the wall? Right. So how worthwhile right. is it really?
3: Well, John John tried to populate those forts before he was murdered, and I don't know how, how far he got because he was going to try to send uh, Jano Slint down to uh, – that's why Slint lost his head because he refused to go to one of the uh, forts. And um, in the books he does it. He only briefly talked about it in the show, so I don't know how far he got with populating well, the other forts.
2: And there's still plenty of time left, and ISIS, you're going to hate me saying this, but there, <laughs> there is plenty of time left for Jon Snow to be a Stark. And that, when I say be a Stark, I mean be absolutely ridiculously stupid <laughs> 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 and, 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 and not kill his enemies. Instead of killing his enemies, you know what? I bet, I bet they won't kill me again if I let them go. You know, yeah. I, that's probably what I'm honor ba- bound. I'm honor bound. I'm going to do that now. You know, he's still time for him to do something stupid like that, especially with Ollie. Uh, so, and and everyone hates Ollie. Truthfully, um, you know, Jon Snow coming back to life is a huge get this season already. Bam, starting off huge because we got so much of what we wanted already. Um, I think there's nothing anyone wants more though than to see Ollie die. Uh my only concern, of course, being we've already gotten so much we want when you get what you want out of Game of Thrones. It usually means something really horrible's about to
4: happen. yeah actually, <laughs> yep. just a fun fact, the motto of the Red Woman where to give life, you must have death or whatever that is, whatever that whole give and take is that's actually how the showrunners feel just about Game of Thrones. if I'm gonna make something good happen, we gotta have a <laughs> lot of bad happen. So, we're probably about to see, I don't know, Ramsey Bolton take over everything. So,
3: Well, that, that's a great point that you both just brought up because I want to talk about Bolton family values. <laughs> um, let's talk. <laughs> Bandit and I were talking before the podcast started. Like, nobody on the show should ever hug anybody else. Once you no. hug somebody, no. that's the end of your story. If you're, you're an done. adult
2: and you hug someone else in Game of Thrones, somebody hugs you, you're dead. You're so dead.
3: I'm, I fear for Tommen's life. He hugged Cersei at the, in, in this episode, and I'm, I'm afraid it's over for Tommen. But, like, you know, last season we had Stannis hug Shireen. She got burnt to a little barbecue crisp, and now we've got – we've got Ruth, who, like, tells his – he tells his bastard son, Ramsay, listen, you'll always be my firstborn. And, he, and, and they hug, and I knew it. I was, like, yelling at the TV the entire time, like, you're going to get stabbed, Ruth. Step back, Ruth. He's got a knife, Ruth. And –
4: the, got the guy that plays Bruce Bolton has a future in just narrating every book ever by the way I love his
3: voice, man. It's amazing. I love his voice. Uh but um Bolton family values are ridiculous. And uh we like you know, Ramsey at this point I've I've heard a lot of people complain about Ramsey like, okay, well, let's just give Ramsey something more crazy to do. Like last season he had a really despicable arc. Before that he tortured and, and he tortured Theon, they killed the girl in the woods by chasing her down with the hounds. Like there was a hor- horrible lot of shit going on with, with Ramsey. And and so I heard a lot of people complaining uh, last night on Twitter about, oh look, Ramsey is uh Ramsey's killing somebody again, this and this is horrible. Oh look, he killed his father, why not? Well, what else did you expect Ramsey to do? Ramsey is not a good guy. <laughs> Ramsey Ramsey was never going to embrace his, his his new brother. He was never going to embrace his, his – and I'm using air quotes – mother, Fat Walda. He was never going to embrace that. They were always going to die. But that ended up being a, a pretty scary situation, and I know there's a couple of opinions here about that. And Bandit, I know you wanted to talk about um, how 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 did you approach that scene whenever – Um, Walda is being led into the kennel. Look, I know
2: know a lot of people are very upset with the scene that happened, and they have every right to be upset, and it was upsetting. Um, And I'm sincerely, and I I know I'm usually the joke guy, I get that, but I'm sincerely saying, yeah, that was upsetting. I did not want to see a baby get killed. And so. Mm I knew that was coming as soon as Ramsey said, send me Waldo and, and kiddo. Uh, by, I the knew- way,
3: by the way, he was calling her Waldo.
2: Oh, yeah, but- Waldo and kiddo is what I was calling them. <laughs> but when Waldo and kiddo, as soon as he said, send me Waldo and kiddo, I knew what was coming. So I had a very unique strategy for handling this scene, and I want to share it with everyone because we keep running into these problems with Game of Thrones where people are getting very upset about the things they're seeing in the show. So I want to share my strategy to see if I can help other people deal with these issues. What I did was not watch that scene. (laughs) I actually got up and turned around and walked out of the room. And then when the scene was over, I came back into the room. And I know it might sound kind of crazy, but what this magically allowed me to do is not get super upset about a baby dying. I didn't have to see it. From the other room, there was no way for me to see it. And I learned this trick when I was a young child. Back in 1992, there was a movie that came out that was called Under Siege with Steven Seagal. Um <laughs> I, I wanted to see Under Siege so bad. I was like 11 or 12. I wanted uh, to see Here's There's so the Alabama
4: bad. coming out of you, by the way, right there. I,
2: absolutely, man. I wanted to see that Steven Seagal going to kill everybody on a boat. I wanted to see that so bad. So I, my dad let me watch the movie with him when it was on VHS. However, there's one particular scene where a lady jumps out of a birthday cake and she's not wearing a top. My dad decided, although it was fine for me to see all the murdering, I couldn't see that part. This is, what, this is what my dad decided: boobs bad, murder fine. So, so I was made to stand up, turn around, and face away from the TV while that scene was going on, while he sat there and watched it. Now, <laughs> at twelve, that felt extremely unfair, but it did teach me a lesson that if you don't watch something, it's like it it didn't happen for you. It didn't happen, it right? Happened. It never happened. So. So what I would like for people to do when they get really upset about the things on Game of Thrones is to turn around and not watch that scene, not watch that stuff. Or perhaps think through if Game of Thrones – and I mean this with all sincerity, and I mean this in the nicest way possible – but sincerely think through if Game of Thrones is the type of show that you want to be watching because these type of things have happened – the entire time the series has been on. Now, over the last couple of seasons, the outcry for these things has suddenly gotten really loud. But these kind of things happen from the very beginning. Um, Bad, horrible things. I mean, we had Danny getting raped in the very first season. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, bad things have happened. So you sincerely need to stop and think, is this the show for me? If these things are really upsetting for me, maybe this is not the show for me. Um, you know, there's plenty of other stuff on television if if it's not your cup of tea. And yeah, it's that's two broke fine. girls, it's, whatever. It's, yeah, it's fun. Like, <laughs> you know, veggie Tales, DuckTales, whatever. It doesn't matter.
4: The Hallmark, the Hallmark Channel.
2: The Hallmark Channel has fantastic Christmas movies, I hear.
4: Do you know what else, <laughs> Bandit? It's in that same vein, the other thing that helps me cope with these terrible scenes that keep happening every season, and you would appreciate this, is I actually just sit back and go. Oh, yeah, it's a TV show. They're all eating beef wellington because they're British right now, and and they're fine. <laughs> don't I don't know much. what British people eat. Uh,
2: I, have, I have, though. It's, it is a matter of if it's going to really upset you, don't watch it. It's, the people getting really upset about these things, to me, it's comparable to uh, a fundamentally Christian group getting really mad because the show Girls has sexual content in it. Well, why are you watching the show? If you
3: don't,
2: <laughs> if you know it's going to make you furious and you think it's terrible, probably shouldn't be watching the show. Yeah. Uh, and the, the people getting mad at Game of Thrones, I it's a different group of people. They're not the fundamental Christians, although I can't imagine they love Game of Thrones. But uh, they don't. It's it's. I would imagine that, you know. But it's still it's the same sort of thing, you know. And it doesn't matter where your I hate this is coming from. If you hate something. Maybe stop watching it, and so, but if you are going to keep watching it, if you're going to stick with us, if you're going to finish this thing out, just know that it's only going to get worse from here. And so I'm <laughs> going to end, I'm gonna end my, my rant here with a quote, all right? And this quote comes from a very famous lady who I think we can all learn a lot from, and we need to listen to, and we need to learn to be more like her, okay?
3: Oh, God, here it comes.
2: Her name is Sophia, and she's one of the Golden Girls. So, <laughs> this is this is a quote from Sophia, and I think it, it perfectly explains what's coming in the rest of Game of Thrones. Fasten your seatbelt, slut puppy. This is is ain't going to be a cakewalk. And <laughs> <laughs> fasten your words to live by. It, words it to it live by. cakewalk. It's going to get worse. So if you if you know if this was terrible, if this episode, if you're pulling your hair out, maybe this should be your last episode. Just throwing it bandit, out there.
0: Bandit. I'm just going to tell you right now. I I've been. Tr- that was a trigger. That was a trigger right now. I feel I've been triggered. I, I, I,
2: I'm not trying to joke. I'm being here. Like I, I, I will tell you this. That, well, I'm that, trying that, to joke. I sincerely yeah. left the room in order for it to not upset me, and I sincerely think too many people today don't think things through and go, man, I don't have to watch this. Like I I Thank you for being agree. a friend, by the way.
3: I have – thank you for being a friend. I will – okay, Isis, ISIS was going to make a trigger joke, and I think we're going to – let's lay off the trigger jokes, but I will say this. I will say this. I was watching it, and I've got a brand-new nephew. My uh, my brother-in-law and his, and his wife just had a baby, and that, uh, my, they keep sending us pictures, and he's really cute. And so as I was watching it, I, I genuinely – and I'm not even joking here. I genuinely thought to myself… I'm about to be triggered. Like, I, I, and it wasn't even a joke. I just said it in my head. Like, oh my God, this is upsetting to me. And I genuinely felt those, I was like, this is terrible. So, like, I did what any normal person would do. I put my hands over my eyes and watched through the
2: slips of my fingers. But, uh, See that's not as effective as my method. My no, it's method, not. It's not. You it's don't not see it at all. Your method it's just like you have finger bars on it. Yeah, it's
3: finger bars. You know, I think I think the set? reason
2: that my dad didn't get me to do that for under siege was because he knew that I would see too much through the finger bars.
0: <laughs> okay, well as being the only person in this group who has a child, uh I'm, I'm just going to tell you, I watched it, and yes, I I was surprised they went there. I had a feeling that Fat Walda was going to come to her, her end. Um, I mean, the entire time I was like, why are you going with him, you poor, dumb idiot? Why would you follow this guy anywhere, especially to where that's where the dogs are kept? I mean, you would think she would know that by now. So I watched the whole entire scene, and yeah, it wasn't, you know, great. Thankfully, they did not show a whole lot. I think they learned a whole lot from um, when they burned um, – what's his name? Uh, Stannis's daughter and stuff like that. So I think they learned a whole lot from, from that whole incident and everything. But I really just didn't, again, I, I think I was like Corey and said, okay, this is a TV show. I'm, yeah. I'm okay. Nothing has happened in real life. This baby is still alive. And so if you cannot do that, then you're just going to have a rough time in life. And I feel sorry for you. I would get a prescription for something
2: because well, it, I would have been I would have been re- I, I, I'm man enough to admit my my deficiencies. I would have been really, really, really upset. Like if I had seen it, if I had seen that scene, I would have been really upset by it. It would have haunted me at least for a few days.
4: And well, that's why
2: I did not watch it. That's why I purposefully I was like, screw this, I'm leaving the room. Told my girlfriend to tell me when it was over. Like, I'm yeah. totally we, we, fine we gotta, with that. we
3: got to get moving on here in a second, but let me, let me draw this to a conclusion on this topic really quick. Um, I haven't heard from Annie yet. And Annie, I want to hear what your thoughts are because you do have some thoughts about Ramsey and how Ramsey's always being shown doing horrible things on the show. And we talked about that a little bit today, but I would like to hear your thoughts on that really quick before we move on. Uh, but I want to say that the actor –… who plays Ramsay, uh, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, Iwan Rion. Iwan, or is it Ewan? I'm not sure how to pronounce his Ewan. name. I apologize. Anyway, he, he actually hates these scenes. He hates doing these scenes. Um, he hates having to be so despicable, but that's the character that's written. So um, I promise you that if you haven't read any of the books, Ramsay is a thousand million times worse in the books than he is in the show. So anyway, Annie, I'd like to hear your thoughts really quick on how the show handled… The baby scene, and I will say this, I'm glad, they, I'm glad they did not put a baby crying while the dogs were tearing at Waldoch. That would have been a step too far for me, a, a baby wailing as, as dogs are eating them. That would have been terrible for me, but I was happy that that wasn't, her, a, that wasn't a sound. Like when Shireen was burned in, in season five, they cut away from her being burned, but man, she screamed the entire time, and that's what killed it for me. So how did, how did you feel about this scene?
1: It just made me mad. You know what? We have 21 hours left of this show after tonight. Yeah. 21. Okay? <clears throat> That's not a lot of time. We're not dumb people, okay? We're smart people. The moment that Fat Walda gave birth to a healthy, red-cheeked son, she'd signed her death warrant and Ruth's, too. We knew Amen. the moment that Roos was stabbed and fell to the ground. By the way, I loved the fact that they made sure that that stab was the exact same angle as Roosh's stabbing Rob back in season three. I thought that was oh, yeah. a beautiful moment. And, you know, I almost wanted to have Ramsey say that he was sending his for guards to Roos. You know, I thought that was <laughs> great. But That'd have been once great. he said, send for Fatwalda. That that was it. We all knew what was going to happen next. We didn't need to see it at all. That's ten minutes we could have spent doing something else, seeing something else, moving another storyline along. We don't have time to waste Basically, wallowing in what Ramsey does. Okay? That's 10 minutes that you walked out of the room that you could have watched something that you would have enjoyed as part of this show. You know, that's what bothers me. You know, and I thought last year, you know, with Sansa, you know, everybody got very upset they didn't show her being raped. But you know what? They didn't show it. And I thought they'd figured out, don't show it. They don't, you can skip that part. You know, we we showed everything in season three. We've moved on from that now. We've gotten over ourselves. No, apparently they hadn't. We're going to waste 10 minutes watching Fat Walda be so stupid as to walk into a dog kennel. I mean, it just, <laughs> it just made me mad. I felt like my intelligence was being insulted. Anyway. I don't know.
4: I, I got, so I, that's if a I could fair jump point. in, I really, I honestly disagree with that assessment. And, and I think the reason is because it showed, uh, a, it showed Ramsey behaving even more erratic and more psychotic. Oh, no, we no, a mad No, I, I disagree. From the moment that he, the son was born, we started on a new path in Ramsey's mind. Like when his dad, as someone pointed out earlier, was like, you know, you're always my firstborn. And he said, you know, we had that really sincere moment with his dad. And I honestly, this is why I think they've already did this last episode with him talking about his dead girlfriend, whatever she was. Um, Yeah, Miranda. Where he was had this really sincere moment, and then was like feed her to the dogs. Like (laughs) we had a moment where he held the baby, and he, you know, you could see that he was like, all right, this is a baby. This is. By the way, can Uh, I
3: interject? I thought that baby was getting spiked like a football.
1: I I did too, honestly. (laughs) Can I hold it? And I'm like, hold it and smash it? I mean, seriously, I didn't leave the room, but I hit mute at about that point and lifted my laptop (laughs) so that it was blocking the screen and watched Twitter until it was
3: over.
4: (laughs) And I also think that they showed it up until about the right moment, and then they did cut away. We didn't watch her get ripped apart by the dogs. We just heard her scream, heard the dogs growl, and we cut away like that was enough like Ramsey's the the coldness in his eyes and in his words to her after holding the baby and being so sincere and yeah. sweet it's like i feel like we're seeing so much character development from him like i think that it's more than just it's more than just him being psychotic this is a difference between him and joffrey i think Okay, is actually,
1: if, if, if there are people that actually feel that they are getting something out of it, then that's good. Because to me, my reaction was, what are we getting from this that we haven't o- that we don't already know? That was basically my reaction. But I if really there are
0: people feel who like, are getting stuff from it, then okay, good. Sure. Yeah, I felt like Corey's right. I think that there's a lot of depth to him because, I mean, as far as what the things that he actor. said, especially yeah. uh, it, it, he, he, is he is a, is actor. a great actor, um, his first – you know, the first episode in this episode, he had some really distinct lines, uh, one of them being, you know, feed her to the dogs. And, and he gave a, a really good monologue about how much he really did care for her and stuff like that. And then at the end was, I prefer being, you know, the second episode was, I prefer being an only child, which are, you know, amazing where you see his, you know, where his mind is coming from. It's it's really it's so layered. He's just not a freaking crazed animal like Joffrey. He uh or Joffrey was just absolutely nuts. Um psychotic. Yeah. But um I really feel like there they I think that he got pigeonholed into a situation where he was like, I'm always gonna be second fiddle to this little boy, blah 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 it's time to make my, my move now. And, and he did, whether we agree with it or not. I mean, he really did. He's a player in this game and he's trying to hold on to, with what he has, because if his little brother lived, he would have nothing. So, um, I really feel like, I mean, and I also felt like if you, uh, play back root. Bruce never expected his son to do that when he gave nope. him that hug. He was genuinely surprised and that that's something that I didn't catch the first when I was watching it the first time. And that to me
3: that's kind of out of character for Roos cuz Roos is a is a master planner. He always plans ahead. He always sees two or three ha- uh moves ahead and it's so weird to see him Get knifed by Ramsey, like it's just wow, it's crazy.
0: Well, but, and uh, he just didn't expect it. It was it was really really exceptional. It was one of those moments I think that everybody just kind of went, oh god, we didn't see this happening. Okay. Oh, and
1: uh, by the way, do you know what? Uh, do you know the actor who plays Ramsey? Do you know what his
2: next role is? Hitler. What's What's what is it? Hitler? <laughs> oh my. <God>. <laughs> <laughs> Which actually, you know, as I didn't know that, but as <laughs> we're sitting here, I was thinking in my head, you know, the difference is. He's getting other people to follow along with him, whereas mm-hmm. Joffrey, Joffrey was like a crazy, like Jeffrey Dahmer nut job. Like he was a crazy, he was crazy and sarcotic, But everybody around him was like, "We got to figure out a way to contain this guy. He's a nut yeah. job," you know. But with 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 the Boltons, uh, this is totally different. He really is.
1: The car starts yeah, no. him. Yeah, yeah.
2: He he really does. F- Fill the kind of uh, I hate to call anybody other than Hitler. Hitler, but he 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 fits the he fits the okay. This is kind of you know he's getting everybody to get on board with his crazy, which is a totally different level of crazy and it's much creepier, much much creepier.
3: Well, I kind of so. here's here's my thoughts on him before we move on. Is I think Ramsey is making the same mistakes Stannis made last season. Um, he's 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 killed off his father he's uh he's he's going to attack the wall like he's 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 you know he's firm in his belief on attacking the wall and the north is going to turn against him eventually i mean obviously we see we we've seen the trailer for the next episode and we see um house umbers banners flapping in the wind, and the description for next episode says that he gets a gift. And everybody's thinking that he gets Rickon Stark as a gift, that somebody's going to turn over Rickon Stark to him, like the youngest Stark. Well, okay, that that may happen, but I don't – I'm not convinced the entire North is on his side, especially when they found, find out that Roose is dead, because then it's just Ramsay. It's a bastard who was raised up and made a Bolton, and now he's the Warden of the North, and the Lord of Winterfell, I, I, you know, like – Somebody has to appoint him the warden of the north. First of all, right? So he can't be the warden of the north just because he killed his dad. It's not like Highlander; there can only be there can only be one. Like he's got somebody's got to appoint him the warden of the north. I, so I forgot Ricken existed, dude.
1: Yeah, yeah no, no like, I like, Ricken. has also ha- hit puberty the same way this that is, <laughs> uh, he's not. He's not a hundred feet tall like Bran is now, but he. Uh, I've seen pictures of him uh, in Ireland uh, when he was there to film, and he got uh, so
2: much older. I mean, it's fine that Bran got tall because it's not like he's ever standing up. But the, <laughs> <What I> wonder, <laughs> the, issue, the issue with the issue with Rickon though, I forgot he existed. This is like nineteen Starks and counting. Like I forgot there was even, this guy was around. <laughs> okay, let's, Ned and Cat plus
4: eight. Sorry, I had Oh my god! Oh my god.
1: <laughs> All right, really, really need to move on. Sorry.
3: Okay, let's, let's get on – let's talk about um, Isis. Tell me what you thought about uh, Brienne and Sansa talking about Arya, and um, what was with Brienne not telling Sansa about the Hound? Like, did you did you catch that?
0: Yeah, I caught that. I mean she was really big about the last time that she saw um, Arya, and um, – but what – and and I get that. I mean maybe she was trying to save her, you know, lady sensibilities, you know, um I, I really don't know why she really didn't go into it. I love the fact that she said she was like, well, you know, your sister wasn't really dressed as a woman or a lady, I should say. And I thought that was really cute because her sister goes and says, well, I didn't think she would. Um, So I thought that was really, really uh, authentic and awesome that they did that. But what I really disliked was the fact that we are always trying to Take the responsibility of Sansa's decisions away from her and be like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. And I feel like that's where the difference between Sansa and, and Reek, I hate to call him Reek, but uh, the he's difference. Theon. Well, I, Yeah, I guess he's Reek no more. He's, he's, he's Theon. He's no more Reek. He's Theon. He's not Reek anymore. Um, but Theon, why his. Uh, Theon's personal journey has made him redeemable. Is because he, you know, especially at that that part of his epi- of his, you know, monologue, he was talking about going back home and he was going to own up to what, you know, what he did and and you know he's not trying to look for it to be washed away or or what he did to be taken away. He's gonna he's gonna live with that. And where I feel as Sansa, whenever she takes a little responsibility for the things that she did when she tells Brianne, I should have went with you. Yeah, no shit. You should have went with her. I mean, we were all saying it. You should have never uh, married Ramsey. So I felt like, you know, having Brianne kind of like, Oh, it's okay. It's okay. I think everybody's been doing that to her and what she needs is some Freaking hard life facts of like. So you way- think people have
3: been coddling her, like she's oh,
0: giving her preferential treatment? Absolutely, Amen. I feel like that she's been coddled way, way too much, and that she needs some real truth told, told to her. And um, and that's the difference between uh, Theon and and Sansa, where I feel like Theon has been more redeemable at this point than Sansa in her de- in their decisions. So.
3: Anybody else want to pipe in on the Sansa yeah, Theon uh,
0: thing?
2: Absolutely, because you know what? Of all the characters on the show, the one that's grown the least is Sansa. Sansa won't take responsibility for the fact that she sold out her own dad because she wanted to be queen, which really got the ball rolling on most of the stuff that's happened. The show really not... softened that, though. Yeah, was, yeah. Was, you know, the show really softened they did. that. They did, but but she's not taking responsibility on the fact that she basically sold out her family because she wanted to be queen. And she has changed none. Like everybody talks about, oh, Darth Sansa, when she was wearing that black dress. Oh, she's about to start playing the game. But she's done nothing. She's changed none. She's the same Sansa. She's walking around in daze. She attaches herself to whoever she's with. She becomes the secondary character to whatever character she's with at the time. She goes along with whatever anybody else is telling her to go along with. She's the same little person she was in the beginning and that's why she's so annoying to me because she's grown it's like she's learned nothing it's like she's learned nothing from what's happened other than to go oh my gosh the world's so mean to us but here's the thing
3: about sansa here's where i see sansa is she she adapts like she like you just said she she uh hitches her wagon to whoever she can like she hitched her wagon to the hound when she was in king's landing okay i want to
0: i I want to pipe in here, there's a difference between adapting and then writing somebody's coattails. There's a complete difference.
3: Well, not everybody can be a power player. Not everybody can be Aria, though. And, not and everybody there are can...
1: people in this world who never really learn. There are people in right. this world who go through life going, the world is so mean to me, and never actually see because they have a big big blinder in front of their face that they are the, they, they are the source of their own problems. You know those people in real life. I know those people in real life. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm not... You know, I I, I I still have love for Sansa. I want to see Sansa grow. I want to believe in Sansa. I, I want to see her be queen. I want to see her grow up. I want to see her be strong. I want to see her live up to the Stark name. But you know what? There are some people in this world who never do. And maybe she's going to be one of them, and we just have to
3: face that. It will suck, but
1: maybe maybe, that's, think, what, maybe that's what her role in life is.
3: I don't, and that's a great point, because, you know... I think sometimes we forget because it's a fantasy show, it's Game of Thrones, and everybody's supposed to be a badass in their own right. Everybody's supposed that, to
1: have their hero's journey.
3: Yeah, not everybody's going to have a hero's journey. That's the thing is, is people like Sansa do exist, and maybe – like I agree with you. Like I've always wanted – like ever since I saw her in the black dress – I wanted her to be Darth Sansa. I wanted her to be like the new Lady Stoneheart. Like if we're not going to bring Lady Stoneheart onto the show, let's make Sansa Lady Stoneheart in a, in a certain way. And so I thought that might happen with her, and they haven't gone that way yet, and they, they still have time right, to do me, it, just, they have
4: it. I think we forget too because of how far we've come in the show and all the bad things that have happened to her. That Sansa – how old is she in the show? Like 16 maybe? 15, 16? Her whole life has been her being prepped to be queen. And mm-hmm. she's yeah. never done anything. Like Arya had this kind of uh, tomboyish childhood. She wanted to sword fight, and her father embraced that aspect of her. But her father also embraced Sansa's prissiness, and mm-hmm. that is what she was. And that's why she was sent to Kingsland. That's why with Joffrey and everything, like she hung around. It's because it's like, well, I'm queen, and it's kind of what I've always wanted. So I'm just going to stick with this.
3: Okay, so let's move on to the Iron Islands now, because Theon has told Sansa that he uh, wants to go home, which was the title of this episode, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, And now we 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 see Balon Greyjoy; he's back. Um, When's the last time we saw him? Season three, Uh, and 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 so we haven't seen him in a long time, and um, it's it's kind of been of a he's been a bit of an enigma. Is he dead? Uh, Did Melisandre's leeches work? And obviously they didn't. He's still alive. Uh, Well, he was alive for a little bit. Um, I was excited they brought Euron Greyjoy, the crow's eye, onto the show finally, and it kind of um, wrapped up a fan theory because in the books, when Balon dies, we don't really know for sure that it was Euron that killed him, that threw him off the rope bridge. We didn't know that for sure. People think maybe it was a faceless man, it was an assassin, maybe Euron hired, hired somebody to kill his brother, but in the show, it's Euron. He throws his brother off the uh, bridge. Now, um, what I enjoyed about that scene was he he actually got to give some of his speech that he gives in this king's mood. The I am the storm brother, uh, I, am, I am the drowned god, those things. You guys are about to see a major, powerful character uh, from the Iron Islands, and uh, – Isis, what did you think about uh, the scene between – before we get to Euron and, and, his, and his brother's flight on the bridge, what did you think about Yara? Because she's another strong female in the show that has potential to go somewhere. How did you feel about her story with her father was – you know she's not queen yet. He didn't you – can't, you can't be appointed a king or queen, or you can't just inherit a king or queen in the Iron Islands. You have to be appointed in his king's mood. So how did you feel about that?
0: Uh, I really enjoyed seeing Yara again. I really enjoyed the fact that the last time we saw her she was trying to save her brother and he wouldn't go with her and but she she still attempted to try to save him and and bring him back. So for her family is a really big deal and that her, you know, her brother she wants to bring him back. So to see her back it was really good cuz I have a lot of respect for her um you know just being a very strong female she's very very smart as well she's not a stupid uh you know woman she's very very you know tactical minded and i just really appreciate her as a character and the 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 actress who plays her i don't know her name but she is Gemma Whelan she is just absolutely wonderful um in her portrayal it's just so it's it she doesn't have to be over the top or anything like that. She just plays it straight. She's great. That's the thing about the um, Ironborn? Point
1: of order. Um she, uh, she's actually a comedian in 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 her uh, regular career.
0: I, Are you did, not I yeah, did not know I, that. she she does improv comedy. She's great. That's, yeah, okay. she's wonderful as far as in the you know what she's doing dramatically in on Game of Thrones, she's doing excellent. I really felt like her conversation with her dad um, you know, just kind of sealed the deal that if if and when Theon gets back home, she's going to embrace him wholeheartedly, and she's she's going to want him to have him back, especially, um, you know, when she was talking about her dad, you know, I'm going to find, you know, whoever did this to my father. I actually believe her, even as, as an asshole that her father was to her. I really believe that the fact that she's going to try to find whoever killed her dad and, and you know, you know it and really do something about it um so i think yara is definitely family minded about her you know family as far as her internal family and then of course you know where well, she lives you well know,
3: she knows for sure that theon doesn't have a cock because it was sent to her her, well, and her dad in a
0: box But I I feel like she's really going to try to take care of him and and really (laughs) take care of her people um, in the Iron Isles. So I really feel like she is the best case scenario for the Iron Isles because I think she would take care of them. But um, we'll just have to see more from her. I just want to see her wrecking dicks because, to be honest, (laughs) I think she could definitely wreck some dicks it, it's going to be she definitely has potential to be a dick wrecker yeah she's going to be great and i i really enjoy her i felt like after she tried to save her brother they you know game of thrones really kind of put her on the back burner and which was fine you know there was nothing really going on but i feel like if Dion gets back home that that's just going to spur her on so
3: Bandit, i'm excited Bandit, what do
2: you what do
3: you think about this King's move coming up between Euron and uh... – I think
2: it's going to be great, especially knowing the fact that Theon is headed back to the Iron Islands. So obviously his arrival is going to cause even more. What I'm really ho- – uh, turmoil, what I'm really hopeful for is that he takes on a role of maybe even not even calling himself Theon again and trying to support her and give her advice and help her because nobody else in the Iron Islands is going to kn- – remember, nobody else is going to know who he is because he hasn't been there. And so he can show up. I I'm, I'm hoping he shows up and he joins her side and it's kind of like the the Greyjoy siblings versus and they try to work the political scene in the Iron Islands, which I think is going to be a lot of fun because it's obviously, you know, with the King's Moot and all that, it's an older more uh kind of a Celtic inspired and Viking inspired kind of culture and mm-hmm. so it's going to be a lot uh, a lot different than what happens in King's Landing, and I'm I'm really excited about seeing what happens in that storyline. It's a great storyline, as long as we don't visit that storyline for like three episodes and then never hear from it again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> do you think that,
3: Do you,
2: you think
0: what, that Theon that Theon has the potential to become the
2: the Varys? Yeah, he could be the Varys. Oh. I mean, he totally could. Like, he's obviously. You know, done that kind of deceitful stuff for Ramsey, and so maybe he's going to turn into that kind of "I was damaged, but I'm going to try to my best to be a force for good and what role I can hold" kind of thing, and maybe it's part of his redemption story. Um, and I agree with you; I think Yara is an awesome character, and I thought. The conflict that's going to come from her seeing Theon again when he wouldn't leave, and now he shows up, and maybe he wants to join her and help her, and the conflict of, I, I came for you and you didn't, you know, that's going to be really cool. I'm, I'm excited for this storyline.
3: Yeah. It's just, it sounds pretty exciting. I think it's going to be great. And, uh, you know, I hope so. I, yeah, and I know Annie, you're not you're not much of an Ironborn fan from the books. Okay, the thing about the books and is both the Dornish and the
1: Ironborn came in at a really bad time. You know. The, basically, what we, what did we just have in A Storm of, Storm of Swords? We'd had um, the Red Wedding, followed by the Purple Wedding, followed by the Reveal. The Littlefinger was behind the whole thing to begin with that got Ned to King's Landing. Like, uh, he was the mastermind. We had all of this, and it was going to be great. And then we were sitting in Dorn with a dude who sat in a wheelchair, pondering. And then we went to the Iron Islands where a bunch of characters we didn't know and we'd never met before stood around and crossed their arms and frowned. And it didn't do anything, didn't move the story along. Who were these people? Why should I care about them? You know, I didn't. And with Dorne, the show made the same mistake with Dorne that the books made with Dorne, that Dorne in and of itself would be interesting without them having to actually make it interesting. And I'm really worried that we're going to see the... You know, since I just saw the TV show, the TV show understood there were problems with Thorn, so they sent Jamie and Braun down there to try and fix those problems. And what did they do? They simply made all the same mistakes in a different way. So right. I'm really worried that they're going, they 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 did they skipped the Ironborn altogether last year because they knew that there were problems with the storyline. So now they're going to tackle it and they're going to make it, they're going to change it around and they're going to make it better. They're sending Theon there, which is going to be a very, you guys are right, it's a very interesting dynamic. You know, he and Yara don't meet at that point in the books. They don't get to, this doesn't get to happen for them. So it's really right. great that it's going to get to happen for them. By the time they meet in the books, the king's mood is over. Um, so the fact that they'll be together during it is very interesting. And could really improve the storyline, or they could just make all the same mistakes as the books, just differently.
3: I'm, I'm with you guys. I hope he takes on the uh, advisory role. Like, you know, last episode he um, uh, Sansa looked over to him whenever Brienne presented her, presented her sword, and he nodded to her. And I made it. I made a little comment on Twitter. Uh, you know, Theon Greyjoy handed the queen. So I think he would be a great. He would be great if he was. Um, hand of Yara, know, like, hand of Yara. Basically, what I hope doesn't happen is that he takes on Victorian's role from the books because he's no Victorian Victorian, whatever he's he's not that guy. And uh, I don't believe Victorian was even cast for this season. No, so Victorian doesn't scared.
1: even exist and in the shows. He uh, exist. Yeah, the, the show has a has a, 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 a family tree of the Ironborn. He doesn't even exist, and neither does is, and neither does uh, Dan Paris, So that priest is not related to the family.
3: Which is, which is really terrible. They really missed out on a great opportunity there. But anyway, um, let's, let's get out of the Iron Islands. We've talked about it enough. Let's go to King's Landing. And Corey, what did you think about uh, Franken Mountain uh, Hulk smashing that dude's face into the wall?
4: <laughs> I thought that that was uh, one of the moments in this episode that reminded me of why I love Game of Thrones. Because <laughs> last, last season I thought almost they, – they, there was no humor. They lost all those things that made – and I get it's because the situation was bleak for a lot of people, but it still is. But in this episode, we had four or five organic, legitimate, funny moments. One-one, uh, the head smash, uh, mm-hmm. I drink and I know things, punch me in the face, I idea like that. <laughs> Tormund shooting those eyes at Sir Davos after the Red Woman was just like – basically saying, please, to her god. Like, those were all funny moments in this show that were legitimately funny. They were clever. And that moment there, it, it posed... See, Annie was, like, talking earlier about, oh, this stuff with um, Ramsey it didn't really add anything. What did that moment really add? Except a hilarious moment and a chance for everyone to see why everyone in King's Landing sucks. Because, like, that guy... <laughs> that guy is a prick, and... Franken Mountain is a prick and they did a prick thing together, uh, with his <laughs> out in, a, in an alley. So I, it was, it was just a funny moment, uh, that kind of reminded everybody, I think, a little bit too about how, uh, violent the Lannisters can be and their followers can be without, cause, cause, you know, they didn't want to have Jamie actually pull a blade out on Mm. the uh, the high sparrow. high sparrow. So yeah, it was kind of like a reminder like hey, by the way, we kill people like all the time. So
3: <laughs>
2: I really liked that
4: moment a lot.
3: I was impressed with Jamie's speech to the high sparrow. I thought it was amazing. That was one of my favorite moments um of this young season in two episodes and uh it probably will go down as probably one of the better moments of the season because you know, he talks about I stabbed my king in the back. I killed my cousin, which is a show only thing, and uh, you know, and he he does he does all these things, and he he confesses to the High Sparrow, and for a second there, just for a second, it looks like the High Sparrow is a little nervous because you know Jamie pulls the sword out of the scabbard like a quarter of the way, frees it out of its little out of its safety strap, and he's ready to like pull his sword, and then all the All the faith militant walk in, and even then, Jamie's like they can't stop me. I'll still kill you before they get to me. So, like you know, I I face better. I face worse odds. So I was really, I was really happy they gave Jamie some more uh, badass lines because that's another thing that was missing from last season is Jamie going through having to learn to fight with his left hand, and uh, he was really useless in Dorne. Like Bron carried him through Dorne basically. Uh, So I'm glad they gave him some more context. In King's Landing this season. Another thing I want to talk about is uh, Tommen. I'm not really sure where Tommen's storyline is going right now. He is such a wimp. He is such a pussy. Uh,
1: uh, uh, gold will be their crowns and gold will be their shrouds?
3: Yeah. No, absolutely. And I, I, I don't I have a feeling Tommen's not going to make it through this season, but... She's lost one a year. Why not? It's just, there you go. There you go. So uh, anybody want to talk to the fact that Tommen starts off not letting his mother to the funeral and then goes and begs forgiveness? And like is he a mama's boy or does he love his wife? I mean what where
2: is Tommen at right now in the, in the story? I think you're underestimating Cersei too here because you you say this like Tommen goes back to his mama and Cersei in this scene. She did seem like, oh, I forgive you. Let's hug it out, all this stuff. But – If Cersei already thinks that the prophecy is going to be true and they're all going to die anyway, and Cersei has proven time and time again she's the most selfish person in all of Westeros, Mm -hmm. and she will do what's best for Cersei regardless of what happens to everyone else. Uh, Time and time again, I don't feel great for Tommen, and I don't feel great for Tommen in a way that, I don't know, I feel like Cersei herself might finish off the prophecy in some sort of well, then I should take over as queen. or I sh- she's, She is a little unhinged at this yeah, point. Yeah, I, I think she's a bit unhinged, and I think also I don't believe for a minute that Cersei has has changed, and suddenly, oh, Cersei's not going to be super selfish and screw everything up for everyone anymore. Now she's going to be on team, you know, be reasonable. Well, that just doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't seem like Cersei to me, and that's what makes the character so interesting. Like, I think Cersei comes out... And I think right now she's, she's laying low. She's, you know, oh, Tommen, it's okay. I still think there's some crazy left in Cersei. And I think Cersei already, I think as far as Tommen goes, Cersei already considers him dead. Because after the first two died, she now believes in the prophecy so wholeheartedly that at this point I think she's going to make it a self-fulfilling prophecy. And she's going to get Tommen killed and then be like, well, he was going to die. You know, so the best thing I could do for him is make it quick and soon. And, I yeah. agree.
0: I agree with Bandit because I w- at, on the second watch through, um, when Cersei hugs Tommen, I couldn't tell if she was looking at him with pity. Or pride. Hmm. You know, I really couldn't tell between what she was looking at him, you know, what face she was making, and maybe it was a little bit of both. Because he gave this big speech about I'm sorry, mommy, blah 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 and all this stuff. But I really couldn't tell. So as we
4: established earlier, hugging people on this show means gonna (laughs) die, so
0: Well Exactly. And we already know that she's not opposed to giving her child poison. It's I was gonna I bring that thinks,
3: up. She she almost killed him. Yes.
0: If she thinks that it will save them from the pain. So we we already established that. I don't I don't remember what season we did, but I remember her two. doing that.
4: Mm-hmm. Season,
0: season two. two um so well, season uh, I really two, feel, ISIS,
4: gosh. I know.
0: I look I've been drinking some I've been drinking some purple rain. Um so anyway,
1: <laughs> like I said, it's
0: I really feel like um That is something that could definitely happen, that Cersei is going to take care of herself, uh, especially if she thinks that her child's, you know, death is already imminent. Uh, I do like to give a head nod or a hat tip to whoever wrote the line, Jamie is a half inch shy of an inch. That was (laughs) flippin' hilarious. I wrote it down because it just really – spoke to me on so many levels. Mm. And I um, I really <laughs> felt like... Oh, <laughs> Damn, Jesus. Just, Damn, you're uh, really passionate about that, aren't you? I, I really thought that there are there are probably... You know, when you have somebody who, who boasts about themselves, which that's what the guy was doing, he was probably more talking about himself. But I also well, felt... That, that dude was hung though. He was peeing and it was hanging no, out of his hand. No, no. Okay, it sounded like he was pissing out of a freaking hose. And it really... <laughs> was on that low, it wouldn't have made that sound. And let me tell you, let's go down to the world record <laughs> oh, of Lord. being the longest pisser I've ever heard in my life.
3: <laughs> okay, we've officially jumped the shark. Um let's 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 leave King's Landing alone now. Let's go across the narrow sea okay. to to blind Beth, Arya. You should uh, ask me. She once again got her ass kicked by the waif. But this time this time Sexy Jesus stepped in. Uh, and and I know, Isis, you want to talk about Sexy Jesus a little bit. Right?
0: Yes, yeah, Sexy Jesus. I, are we really going to keep on calling him Sexy Jesus? Yes. I, John I, John is not Sexy Jesus. I don't I care. Really I really feel that like, John's like been that John has been resurrected and he should be called Sexy Jesus now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what, what are they, they going to
1: call him? Can
4: we
0: just call I, I, him that one? I I don't know. <laughs> no
4: one, I, guess. I don't Sexy know. no one.
0: Sexy no one. Sexy faceless man. I don't know. I, it just I feel like you well, know that right now that
2: think to it at all. That's not going to look good on t I'll tell you <laughs> that.
0: <laughs> but I really do. Um, I was appreciative that he saved saved Arya, and I and I say saved loosely because let's be honest, he was sending the waif to whoop Arya's ass anyway. Um, uh, I
1: actually I have a question about that um yeah. because it looked to me and i i have watched it a couple times the, the waif suddenly disappears and then he
3: appears yeah, how do he's we know i agree 100%. How,
1: how do we know that they're not the same person thank you that's if, that's exactly it how do we know that's that a good same point
3: person? that was a great point point. and i thought about that last night as well because well, they've you been and i talked together, about this together haven't they though well well in the last season they were yeah um, one
1: of them died remember
3: one of them died but here's the thing the waif was in the um black Shift, whatever you call it, the the black little number she was wearing of the Acolytes, and Sexy Jesus was wearing his faceless man robes So he had to change his face and get taller and change his clothes in an instant like that. So either the the waif stepped back and disappeared, and he was there to to do it, or he just changed magically like some kind of Mighty Morphin Power Ranger. I don't know. You know who the paper
2: reminds me of? Jan Brady. Kimmy Gibbler. Jan Brady? And yeah, she's that she's yeah, you're not oh I don't like you, you're the middle. Aria, you're, Aria, I, Aria. I <laughs> yeah,
1: well I
2: don't like Jan Brady Wafes has gotta no, I want her to go. I don't like her.
3: Oh my god. Yeah, well, okay, so we had we had sexy Jesus step in, he takes Aria and tells her it's time to quit begging. A girl a girl is no longer a beggar. Now she's going back to the uh, House of Black and White to train to do whatever next. So hopefully those contact those painful contacts will come out of Macy Williams' eyes and we'll see her uh take on a new role in the next couple of episodes. But staying in Essos, let's go to Meereen and everybody's favorite dwarf Tyrion Lannister. He had the quote of the night obviously with I drink and I know things, but what I really want to talk about is he made a dick joke to uh Varys and Grey Worm, it was very insensitive to Grey Worm. I'm just going to put that out there. It was he, he not sort of nice. Triggered. He,
1: that he was out. No, he realized he was kind of outnumbered in the uh, men who have a uh, men who have versus men who do not have.
4: <laughs> he was outnumbered <laughs> in that room. I will say this: in that room, there how many guys were there? Is varies Tyrion, and Grey Worm? Is that right? That's
1: it. Mm-hmm. And and and, and Miss So basically, so he was massively he, outnumbered.
4: He went down in that basement with those dragons, and he showed that he had enough balls for that whole room. And that scene was incredible. That was the, the speech that he gave the dragons, the way that he interacted. First off, huge props. Huge props to the special effects department of that show because those dragons looked incredible. And because yes, they, they, did. they have looked like garbage in the past, and they looked amazing right there. And the, the way that he interacted with them – and told that story, and you know he talked about, he, before we went down there, he was like, dragons are smarter than a lot of people, give them the credit for They might be smarter than humans, we don't know, and they were, those dragons were listening, the way they, you could see they were listening to him, they knew what he was doing, and they let him come down there, and come that close to him, the way he interacted with them, and then instantly ran away, like it, that scene, again, We ha- we've been on this podcast for an hour now, we're just now, that's how good this whole episode was, we're yes. just now talking about, Maybe the best dragon scene yet. And um, that,
3: yeah. that that has to rival the one where danny fed a master to one of the dragons last actually season. That was a-
1: i i thought that this was as good as when danny locked up the dragons now uh, i i am a cat lady i am an um, unpo- i am an unapologetic cat lady and when she locked up those dragons at the end of season four i absolutely terrible. lost it like i was sobbing I tried to hug one of my cats who was very upset with me it was just yeah it was a bad <laughs> moment and so for me watching this, this scene for me was the bookend of that scene, especially he took the, the pin out of the one and we turn and the other one, and the other one extends his neck like, now do me. And I was just like, it was just, I, I, my heart broke. It was so well, beautiful. And the best part is said, the- it's just him alone in a room. There's not even really dragons there. He's just acting by himself. And here I am having like this incredible emotional moment to it.
3: Dinklage is amazing, but why did the dragons turn around and walk back to the back of the room? I don't understand that. Like that's, why didn't they just try to go through the door at that point?
1: Um, I think because they, they they've been given their freedom and now they're considering it. He's given uh, their freedom. He's left the door open and it's their choice to go out. And so you I, know that was my next question. When, when I leave the back door open, the cats don't always go right out the door. They don't.
3: <laughs> Sometimes they
1: stand there and look at me like and yeah. So you know dragons, they're like cats that way.
2: They well, made the, they made the dragons like cats. Dragon's like a big cat and or a pile of gold in the back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I
0: really I really like this whole scene because we only got a very little bit on the very first uh, episode. Um, some some stand out you know lines from. Uh, from Peter Dinklage, you know, one of them being I drink and I know things. And then he said, you know, uh I don't need to help when he was that with that. That was me. great. But that was that was awesome. an awesome line. Uh and then he uh the other one was uh he makes dwarf dwarf jokes, I make eunuch jokes. And then the guy very says, I don't make dwarf jokes, but you think them. And, and and so he like really kind of took his role back of the best one-liners um i think that Tyrion did an excellent job especially with the uh with the dragon scene because it was so awesome like you were talking about a little bit annie about talking to them like if they were like your cats or some or treating them like your cats and stuff and i almost felt like he was talking kind of like babyish to them you know what i mean like very kind of uh with a lispy kind of voice um so which really spoke to me as far as having a child because that's instantly what you do when you see a little baby is you just kind of talk very baby, uh, language to them. And it, it was really telling about what he was telling them about as far as he always wanted a dragon and he always, you know, he just wanted one the size of him. Kind of like trying to relate to them. So, um, I really love the fact that, uh, Tyrion kind of took the reins on this episode. Uh, Especially what was going to happen at the end of the episode was going to be so massive, uh, but he didn't diminish it. It was just really great, and I love the relationship between Varys and Tyrion uh, because I'm not going to lie, I – Tyrion probably had a little poop in his pants when he walked up those <laughs> stairs again, and he told Varys, you know, um, if I ever do something so stupid like that again, you know, please punch, punch me, in the, me in the face. It was just incredible, the rapport between the two uh, actors, and Varys didn't say anything during that whole entire scene when they go
3: – He didn't have to.
0: He didn't have to. His face said everything, so applause to the actor who plays varies It was just a wonderful well acted um portion of the episode especially with the dragons and before before we leave marine uh let, let me ask you bandit does this
3: confirm that that Tyrion is a Targaryen
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, oh. Oh. <laughs> no i i'll tell you the only thing – look look i, I Besides kooky fan theories and nut, nut jobby stuff, and and you know, there's all kinds of crazy Game of Thrones theories out there, and yeah, and I get it, you know, Sansa's real to you, and the aliens, and the aliens at Roswell happened in Area 51, <laughs> and the government, and yeah, I get it, uh, and that's fine. You can believe whatever you want to believe. That's the wonderful thing about a fantasy show. If you want to have all these theories about things that happened that they didn't show. You can have those, and that's awesome. And you can have your own little continuation in your mind of the show, and you do that. That's awesome. What uh, Marine really confirmed to me for me was that if CBS does a spinoff of Barrys and Tyrion as a buddy roommate show, I'm watching the hell out of that. That <laughs> that would be awesome if it's like one's a dwarf, one's a eunuch, one's messy, and one's neat. Can they get along? You know, I record I scratch them together. Yeah, I love them together. I, I mean, the two of them being so witty and their personalities the way they play off each other is just fantastic and I'm gonna piss off so many people by saying this, but I really want Danny to just stay gone so we can continue to enjoy them and not have you know <laughs> not have sucky Danny around and not have right. Sir Zone. Let's just have some Tyrion and
4: Varus time.
2: And can I just say so-
4: what what you just said it confirmed what what that confirmed me is that Danny was never interesting. She just had dragons because
2: oh, it, yes
4: Tyr, Tyrion is already interesting, and then he's with the dragons. And it's the most compelling non John Snow scene in the episode. It's like oh so if you just put dragons next to okay cool fine whatever. Well I bet if we put dragons with Sansa, <laughs> we'd all of a sudden give a crap. But
0: <laughs> well damn. I don't think there's any help with that girl.
4: Okay. Let's, She'd uh, run away let's, from the dragons and be like, those are probably okay. boring anyway.
1: They're they're grody. I I uh, I have a really good transition to uh to the uh, in in terms of spin off shows. The show we really need is uh what you talking about, Willis, the hotter story.
3: Oh Ooh. my god, please yes. Okay please, yes. I would I would watch the shit out of that show.
2: Dude, that would be sweet, man. What you talking about, Wiz? Willis Hodor. like, Hodor, like, uh-oh, Hodor, there's a kid at school, he's trying to sell you drugs, let's learn a life lesson together. What you talking I about, mean, that Wiz? would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I want to
4: watch
3: that. Okay, let's uh, – we need to start wrapping this thing up. We've already gone past an hour, so let's talk about the big finale. We all kind of thought it was oh, coming. Oh, wait, is Some that name we're skipping
0: on the brand? No, 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 We're skipping yeah, on... Oh,
3: I apologize. That's why you know I what? brought right. that up. Gee, yeah, you're right.
0: wait a minute. Let's I'm go sorry. back to the very beginning of the episode. <laughs> I apologize.
3: I'm sorry. Talk about Bran. Talk amongst yourselves. So Bran is still in the cave, right? And there's one thing that came out that kind of surprised me is the Children of the Forest, who are apparently extras in the uh, Broadway musical Cats.
2: No, no. Sorry, uh, Fern Gully. It's Fern Gully. Okay. Cartoons. It's Fern Gully. <laughs> when it's, it's, it's wintertime in Fern Gully, that's what it looks like. Is that cave? That's what. Every time we <laughs> go there, rock. it's it's Christmas in Fern Gully. It's Christmas but they in Fern she Gully.
0: Just, they, she basically said that Brand
3: was going to leave the Bran was going to leave the cave. Like I never thought that was going to be possible. That kind of shocked me a little bit. Um, so I don't know, Annie. We saw a picture, one of the very first pictures, official, that's not a leak, that came out was Bran sitting on top of a horse.
1: Lying on top of a horse.
3: Oh, he's, yeah. He's not
1: actually tra- really sitting up. He's tra- kind of lying on it. Yeah, no, we, we had this sort of moment of, <laughs> is that in his mind? Is that a thing that's really happening? You know, I think after tonight that really could be a thing that's happening, yeah.
3: I guess so. And, and we also saw that Mira is, is a broody teenage girl who's probably journaling okay, about Okay, just how- real quick, though. I mean, how much does it suck to be Mira?
1: How much would it suck to to go thousands and thousands of miles north of the wall, and then be there, and your brother's dead, and the only person there is to just talk to is Hodor, or a kid who lies around on the ground with his eyes rolled back in his head all day long. I am mean, <laughs> no,
2: seriously, she's she's bored. bored. I would be bored. Oh, Also, oh, if I get to hang out with a fern gully demon, that might be kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about this? How about the fact that there's
3: now a door on the cave? A secret door? Like, where'd that come and, from? And the,
1: what really gets me, though, Bran grew like a foot. Who made him new clothes? <laughs>
3: who gave him a haircut? Yeah,
2: seriously. Okay, anyway. His hair was terrible in season who, four. Who wipes Bran?
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh,
3: God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I did not think this podcast could get any worse.
1: Oh,
2: God. You're going oh, to think about tomorrow, though. Hodor. Hodor does. Yeah, anyway. Hodor has the worst job ever. So so
3: let me okay, let me ask you, Corey, what'd you think about the uh flashback to Winterfell? That was pretty cool, yes? Oh
4: yeah, it was great. Uh it was awesome again in the in this episode that was so good. It was awesome to be reminded why we like the Starks because they're so spread out mm-hmm. and everything is terrible all the time with them. It's like <laughs> It's like, oh yeah, these these people are like good and nice, and and we like them. And you had the similarities between what uh, I don't know Ned's brother's name. What what that guy? Yeah, that Benjen said to Ned is what John said to Bran, or whatever, in the when in Winterfell in season one uh, about keeping your shield up or ring your bell. Ring your bell. Yeah, it was just interesting. I guess it was, and it was good for Bran. I think it it was. it was a moment that reminded Bran why I think why he is doing what he's doing, and it, was, it yeah. reminded us why he's doing what he's doing, and, and it reminded show watchers and book readers alike uh, that a the Starks have they're good people and they're you need to be cheering for them because they are doing what's right for the right reasons for the most part,
2: except and, for Sansa,
4: except for <laughs> Sansa who is doing things for Sansa reasons. Uh, And then B, I I think it was good to – just for the character brand to have that type of moment. Yeah.
3: Yeah, no, I agree. That was a great scene. Uh, Anybody else want to to chime in on the Winterfell
0: scenes? Yeah, I absolutely love love the the casting of the children. Uh, It was spectacular. They did a really great job in trying to find somebody who looked like Ned Stark. Um, It was just – I could have probably watched a whole entire episode of just the early years of the start of Winterfell. It was Winterfell really, the wonder years. The yes, it was absolutely awesome. I think I said that in one of my tweets. Um and uh me and Annie were talking back and forth that, you know, Annie said she could watch a whole entire season of this and and I I don't disagree, but You know, just following along in the past and seeing what really happened um, was exceptional. Even if it was just a little glimpse of seeing, you know, the early years of of Hodor, um, it really did a great job. And I I felt like the casting was exceptional. So I hope they do more of that this year because I really think it's going to be amazing and that will bring us maybe non-book readers give us some kind of clue in on the whole story of what's going on of what maybe book readers already know.
1: Well, that's actually why I said that thing about the season. Um, in, on, in all honesty, there was a part of me that wanted when they reached the end of season four, which is the end of storm of swords was for them to take a year and figure out how to really tackle um, the next couple of books and maybe give Martin some more time to write the next one and do an entire year. That was basically a flashback year. That would be uh, basically this story.
2: Well, but yeah, the problem is, I mean, if they do a prequel, you know, there's always the danger that you're going to have a
4: a character that talks like Odessa.
2: Oh, (laughs) yeah, I guess that's true. (laughs) that, they totally ruin
4: everything. Misa Bidget Stark! It's like, man, he went through that super weird phase. It turns
3: turns out Aegon the Conqueror was uh, Jar Jar Binks the entire time. No, it's
4: actually actually how the the Night King talks, and that's why he hasn't talked yet. (laughs) but he actually just is Jar Jar Binks.
3: Misa me kill you now!
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Okay, we are getting really punchy. Let's get to the end.
3: Let's let's get to the end of this, guys. We are running late. Let's talk about that big final reveal. Uh, Finally, we have um, Melisandre's not old anymore. She's put the necklace back on. Miracle Max is put back in the box. And she's uh, in her red robe staring at the fire. Davos comes in and he he basically does a very un-Davos thing. He begs her to do magic, which... <clears throat> I, don't, I don't. I don't care. A lot of people said that they had a problem with that because it was out of character for Davos to ask the Red, the Red Witch to do anything. I don't care. It had to happen somehow. No, it wasn't. And so he,
4: That's dumb. Anyone that says that was out of character, they haven't been watching his show. Davos is well. A people say, people say that because Davos hates hates
3: Melisandre because he blames her for the death of his son, uh, the death of his king, probably, and he still doesn't know about Shireen. But if that comes out, then he'll kill he'll kill Melisandre himself. So sure, but. Well, I think
0: that he... Yeah, I think he was practical. He knew that his back was against the wall, and this is probably the easiest thing, or not the easiest, but the the only resolution that can come to bring John, I mean, he had seen her do, she gave birth to a smoke baby, come on, like, <laughs> let's be serious. If anybody, Oh, has, fire crotch. Yes, fire crotch, there you go. Uh, if anybody's going to bring anybody back from the dead, it's going to be her. And so I really felt like it wasn't out of character whatsoever for him to go and bed. Her. What I found very revealing was the fact that her speech, his speech uh, was almost identical to Jamie's speech in episode one of the season Ooh. to Cersei. Oh, my that's God. What, nice correlation. Well done, what, Isis. Ugh, that's what I'm here for. Um, that's what I really felt like that that, you know, pep talk was really, I mean, it was just kind of almost word for word. If, if memory serves me, I don't know. I've been drinking, Uh, but it it was almost word for word, identical to Jamie's pep talk to Cersei. um, And I really enjoyed that. I love that correlation of that, that, that Davos was like really just trying to like, Hey, don't, don't give up on me. I need you. I really, really need you to get your shit together. Um, So I really enjoyed that. And of course, you know, the red queen, Even though she didn't do what I thought she was going to do, she does bring my cinnamon roll back to life.
3: Yeah, she didn't. She didn't join the necro club and bring him back that way. But uh, you know, John's back. He opened his eyes at the the very end of this episode. I'm glad they did it like that because uh, you know, ghost stirs and he wakes up and he walks over to John. Um, you can you can throw your tinfoil hat theories that John was inside Ghost and he transferred to John's body. Whatever you can say, whatever you want to, I don't care. John's back next for the next episode, and the Wildlings think he think he's a god, and Ramsay's gonna get a gift, which is probably Rickon Stark. We're gonna see Umbers, we're gonna see Carstarks, and we're gonna see much much more. And, uh, and we're gonna see finally the Tower of Joy. Thank baby Jesus, that's gonna happen next episode. Uh, we're going and they have the lines. And now it begins. No, now it ends. I cannot wait to see that. Uh, but we got to wrap this show up. It's, we're, we've gone a little bit too long, and Bandit's going to be producing this, and he's going to be really mad at me because we went so long. So uh, for the rest of my panel, for Isis, for Bandit, for Annie, and for Corey, I am Razor, and thank you for listening to Episode 2 of Season 6, Take the Black. We will talk Are to you, you next afraid? week.
4: You should be. I thought he was the man to lead us through the long night. A face
1: will be added to the hole.
2: You would spill blood in this holy place. The gods won't mind. Show them what Lannisters are. And make no mistake.
1: The dead are coming. The dragons do not do well in captivity.
2: How do you know this? That's what I do. I drink and I know things. They have no idea what's going to happen.